0: Hi everyone, I know it's been a little while, but forgive me, it's been quite busy. Um, But anyway, while I'm here, I thought as the Formula One World Championship season for 2021 has started, I thought I'd give some opinions on uh, the changes that have been going on and how the season in itself has been progressing including the bold predictions that some people were saying. Now, let's get one opinion clear straight away. Not do not do I think for one minute that this Formula One season has been boring. Far from it. It's nice to have a championship battle between... A driver from the two front teams, in this case being Mercedes and Red Bull, and the drivers in question being Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton as he is these days, and the rising star Max Verstappen. Mind you, I say rising star, it feels like he's been around for ages, considering he's been on the Formula One grid since 2015, and... He was 17 at the time he made his debut, and here we are, six years later, and uh, he's uh, now in a car that can potentially fight for the world championship. But I will say this about the current F1 season, current at the time of recording. During pre season testing, in particular, There were predictions centred around people believing that because of the low-rake concept that Mercedes have adopted um, since the uh, turbo-hybrid era came in, in fact, that uh, the aerodynamic changes intended to curb the amount of downforce produced from 2020 to 2021 as a force majeure measure due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It keeps coming back to COVID, I don't know. But anyway, there was a belief that Mercedes had been humbled because their car didn't seem to work in pre-season testing because of the perceived problems with their low-rake concept. For those of you who aren't technical, by the way, the rake in simple terms is the difference in height of the floor of the car front to back. In other words, the back of the car is higher off the ground than the front. But anyway, back to the topic. So, Red Bull on paper appeared to be hot favorites going into this season. And pace-wise, they seemed to live up to it as uh, Bahrain came in. Max Verstappen putting the car on pole position and seemingly dominating the opening part of the Bahrain Grand Prix. However, Red Bull seemed to outsmart themselves because through cunning use of strategy... Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton were able to undercut the leading Red Bull. And through the rules of track limits, which played no part in uh, the outcome even though there was some inconsistency on the part of enforcing the track limits, but anyway through Verstappen being off track when he made an attempt to pass Hamilton with two laps to go, he was ordered to cede the position back to the reigning world champion and uh, never got the chance to retake the position once uh, he'd given the position back. And then we have Imola. And it would appear that Red, It appeared that Red Bull had dropped off the pace relative to Mercedes because Lewis Hamilton had taken his first pole position of the year. But then came race day and the rain arrived at Imola for the first wet Grand Prix at Imola quite probably since, by my reckoning, although people will probably let me know otherwise, 1995. However, with the Red Bull handling better in the wet conditions than the Mercedes, Verstappen was able to take the lead, and uh, especially after Hamilton made a rare unforced error that initially put him a lap down until a late safety car, which enabled him to get back on the lead lap and recover to second, uh, Verstappen was able to take a dominant victory. But that being said, Portugal and and the most recent Grand Prix at the time of recording, Spain, they have not lent themselves particularly well to potential hopes of a close championship battle at the moment, he says. And that's because Lewis Hamilton has... ...matched his best ever start to a season in his career in Formula One. Because matching 2015 in the first four races... ...he's got three wins and one second place. But uh, Verstappen agonisingly at the moment, although I hope I'm proved wrong he seems to be dropping further and further behind. But there's always hope for a close championship battle, which is the main thing that I look for, from an entertainment perspective at least. Because at the time of recording, the next Grand Prix is Monaco. And despite the reputation Monaco has for producing races where it's follow the leader with the cars being far too wide to even contemplate an overtaking manoeuvre, it does have a tendency sometimes, sometimes, to produce an unusual result. So I would I would say that Red Bull are quite likely to be favourites going into the next Grand Prix, at least for Monaco, anyway we'll we'll see how it pans out but that's my hunch at least well that's the abridged version of uh, how the formula 1 world championship is uh, going circa mid may 2021 but by no means is the sport limited to the top 2 in the drivers world championship after all the sport has 20 drivers competing at any one time on the track at least for the top prize and there are other storylines up and down the, uh, up and down the grid that uh, are worth talking about and I'll give my views shortly. If we cast our minds back to the end of 2020, before the second Bahrain race last year, I mean, people were reeling at the seeming injustice of Sergio Perez, Checo Perez, as he's nicknamed, being off the grid, through no fault of his own, while he was in the form of his life, having been shown the door by the team that, uh, through his efforts to put them into administration in 2018, helped to save. And yet, with that victory in the 2020 Sakir Grand Prix, charging from... Being last on lap one through to first at the end of the of that chaotic race, Sergio Perez found himself as a man in demand, and uh, yeah, he found himself in the slightly unenviable position of driving the second red bull. Our red bull doing the same tactic as Monaco, not Monaco. Um, Benetton did in the mid-1990s, putting all their eggs in one basket for the lead driver and just having the other driver drive the second car. Who who knows? But on the surface, at least, it appears that that second Red Bull seat may be uh, unenviable, let's say. I mean, yes, on, one, on the one hand, it's great that Checo Perez is in a car that's capable of fighting at the front consistently. He's been long overdue that, frankly. But at the same time, when the gap between himself and Max Verstappen is as big as it is, frequently it's more than half a second then you must wonder what Red Bull are doing that's putting the second car at such a disadvantage. But on my side, it's just speculation. The ones who know the best are those in Red Bull racing at the moment. After all, we saw through the uh, floundering efforts of initially pierre gasly and latterly alex albon that uh, let's just say it's not exact it doesn't exactly appear equal in the red bull stable because both of these drivers as shown by gasly's victory at monza in 2020 neither of them are slouches but They're being made to appear slouches by having Verstappen in the other car. And it's clear that Red Bull have him in very high demand. And of course it's not helped by the fact that Red Bull aren't exactly the team that has the best reputation for being supportive of young drivers who need, to coin the phrase, an arm round the shoulder technique to help them get the best out of themselves. A supportive environment, in other words. While we're on the subject of Red Bull, let's turn for a moment loosely back to Pierre Gasly and think about his 2021 teammate, young Japanese star Yuki Tsunoda. And... This is going to sound like I'm criticising him, and I don't mean to. Far from it. But it would seem that the young Japanese driver is putting a lot of pressure on himself. He's a very exciting driver, make no mistake. And has clearly got a lot of talent. However, with the hype that was surrounding him going into the... 2021 season with people saying always going to be the best Japanese driver Formula 1 has ever seen and possibly with him buying that hype as well it doesn't help him to establish himself as himself you know let the kid drive with no pressure that way he'll show his ability I mean yes he's young yet He's only, what, 21 years old? That is plenty of time for him to get used to Formula 1. And he'll learn from the experience that his teammate, Pierre Gasly, has had over the years to not get seduced by the pressure that he puts on himself. I personally am excited about Tsunoda. He has he does indeed have the potential to be an excellent driver. Possibly the best driver since at least Kamui Kobayashi. Because Kobayashi at the time of recording is the most recent Japanese driver to finish on the podium in a Formula One Grand Prix. Which poetically enough was his home Grand Prix, the Japanese Grand Prix in twenty twelve. However, he shouldn't put himself under pressure too early, I feel. The results will come, but he needs to be in the right car at the right time. I now thought I'd take a moment to give my two cents about the seeming never-ending criticism of Valtteri Bottas. After all, you would think driving the car that has won the Constructors' Championship the last God knows how many years, that he would be in prime position to capitalise on it. And he has on occasion, but critics have argued that it's no good having it on occasions. He needs to be doing what Nico Rosberg does, or did, before the latter, unexpectedly, from my perspective anyway, retired at the end of 2016, fresh from winning the World Championship. But anyway, I think that that's possibly just an exaggeration. After all, exciting though it would have been, from outsider perspectives, to see two drivers in the same team fighting tooth and nail to win the world championship and on the way score race wins for the team it was more stressful because when you have two ultra-competitive drivers pushing each other higher and higher to greater and greater heights it was inevitable that contact was going to be made and so it happened a number of times in the case of mercedes and Messrs. rosberg and hamilton it happened in races like well qualifying in monaco 2014 for a start where rosberg deliberately or not uh, went off track on his final qualifying run leading to a yellow flag that in turn led to hamilton being forced to bail out of his lap then we have Spa 2014, where Rosberg, in a clumsy attempt to uh, re overtake Hamilton, having squandered pole position, touched with his teammate and uh, caused Hamilton to pick up a puncture, which led to his failure to finish that race. Then we have USA 2015 where Rosberg felt that Hamilton pushed him wide at the start of the Grand Prix and was less than impressed as a result leading to the uh, meme of hats being tossed between them let's say and then we come to Spain 2016 and Austria 2016. I'm including them both together because, again, it was the two drivers battling up front and colliding. Spain was probably the worst for Mercedes because, as a team, few things are more frustrating than the two drivers at the front of the field in the same team. Taking each other out. You know, from a neutral's perspective, it was great to see the two cars that dominated the year and would dominate 2016 taking each other out in a moment where, from my perspective anyway, both drivers were equally at fault. Rosberg knew that he had made an error with the steering wheel settings on his car, so he was in in an incorrect power setting, meaning he was significantly slower than Hamilton through Turn 3 at Barcelona. And in turn, Rosberg crowded Hamilton overly aggressively towards the inside. I mean, the old motorsport saying is, you can't win a race on that one, you can only lose it. And that turned out to be true. Because... When Rosberg crowded Hamilton to the inside, it put him on the grass and in turn Hamilton out of control, spun and hit his teammate and they both ended up in the gravel and very embarrassed. As for Hamilton, it could be asked, why did he go to the inside? Rosberg was leaving more space on the outside than the inside. And in turn, when he saw Rosberg aggressively crowding to the inside, why didn't he back out and use the undercuts or switchback to try and out-traction Rosberg out of Turn 4 in the run down to Turn 5? But hey, who am I to question the minds of two world champions? But that's besides the point. This is precisely why Mercedes are perfectly happy with having Bottas in the other car. Because it takes away that inter-team conflict. The team are only interested in the Constructors' Championship. They're not bothered about who wins the Drivers' Championship. All they care about is them doing the best they possibly can in the Constructors' Championship which given the success the un- the unprecedented success that the team has had since 2014 with the implementation of the turbo hybrid regulations that are currently Circa 2021 in place since then they they were more likely to win the constructors' championship than any other team as long as the drivers did their part in keeping things clean having said that the battle between Messrs Rosberg and Hamilton did produce some incredibly exciting racing. Possibly the standout for me being Bahrain 2014, the so-called duel in the desert, because the two of them were battling up front for the lead. Fans complained constantly, and had complained at the time, that It was all good seeing battles down the order. But if the driver leading the race was unchallenged, where was the entertainment? With Bahrain 2014, that was not the case. Because, aside from pit strategy, both Mercedes were less than a second apart from each other. With Rosberg seemingly having the edge on speed, but being unable to pass through immaculate driving by Hamilton because he was always able to put his car in the right place at the right time to prevent Rosberg from staying ahead for too long. And through his use of his right foot on the brakes being able to brake his left foot on the brakes, sorry because they left foot brake mostly in Formula 1. But anyway, through master through mastery of his feel of the brakes He was able to break just late enough to keep Rosberg behind and also stay ahead and ultimately win. It was a thrilling race. I was on my feet the whole time and, well, I can't speak highly enough of that particular race. Even if people found it boring seeing Mercedes up front all the time. But the fact that there was a battle, a genuine battle for the lead... That in itself made it a very worthy Grand Prix. I could go on, but I think for now, I'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening once again. I apologise for such a big gap between podcasts. But I will say this about... um, The end of this one, unrelated to anything I've been talking about already. Obviously, with restrictions being eased at the time of recording, that doesn't mean we should be complacent. Always, always, wherever possible, get yourself tested. Make sure that you're continually testing negative for COVID-19. At the time of recording, I've just taken a LFT, lateral flow test, and I'm happy to say that it is negative and I shall be reporting the number when I have completed recording. The the more testing is done and the more people that get vaccinated, the quicker we can return to normal. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest podcast. I shall see you next time. Stay safe, maintain morale, and I'll see you next time.